Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel one by one. We will be spoiler free of details from future episodes, but we will have full spoilers on for any episodes that we've discussed in the history of this podcast. I'm Jason, and I am halfway to being vaccinated for COVID. Hooray! I'm Harrison. And I have successfully managed to negotiate my debt with Angel down to 60%. Uh, or I guess technically it would be down to 40%. Uh, I got 60% taken off. Anyway. Yeah, 60% off. I was told there'd be no math. Uh, <laughs> Jason, what episode are we watching today? We are watching Angel Season 1, Episode 9, Hero. This is the one where we lose a member of angel investigations mm -hmm. in a spectacularly heroic fashion mm -hmm. hero was written by tim minear and howard gordon and directed by tucker gates it originally aired on november 30th 1999 Jason, what are you drinking this week? Uh, well, Harrison, this is a bit of a sad episode, and uh, typically with uh, sad episodes, I go for the harder stuff. Um, in this case, uh, got me some scotch. Nice. Um, I was in a similar headspace, um, but of course, my go-to for sad is red wine. So <laughs> <laughs> that's your go-to for a lot of things. It's true. Uh, <laughs> I love red wine. I, I just I'm a I'm a red wine kind of girl. All right. Well, um, here is to not only the character of Doyle, who was quite the hero in the end, mm -hmm. but also to the uh, to the man who portrayed him, Glenn Quinn, who is no longer with us. Yeah. Um, may he rest in peace, and uh, let's be appreciative of the short yet strong legacy that he has here in the Buffyverse. Yes, cheers. All right. Um, so yeah, I figured uh, we should, as uh, kind of here at the top, um, just kind of briefly talk about uh, Glenn Quinn, as Jason uh, said in his toast. Because um, there's a lot of, uh, I guess there's a lot of different stories about why Doyle was written off this early into the show. Um, and, you know, there's there's the official company line that is, he was always intended to be a short-lived character. Um, but then there are rumors that um, Glenn Quinn's uh, struggles with drug addiction, which is what ultimately cost him his life, um caused issues behind the scenes that led to him being written off. I suspect, I'd imagine the truth is maybe somewhere in the middle, as it uh, yeah. so often is. Um, but out of respect for Mr. Quinn, um, I, I personally, I'm I, I'm not going to speculate um, here on the podcast. I um, it, it feels icky to do so. Um, yeah. Um, uh, Glenn Quinn... Passed away in 2002, and mm -hmm. um, Angel was still going on at the time, so the first episode 
that was produced after his death was dedicated to his memory. So, um, uh, I don't remember where that is, like season four, maybe, um, season four, season five, but, uh, yeah, just a heads up. We'll, we'll eventually get to it. And Doyle's presence is felt, or in this case, his absence is felt Mm -hmm. several times throughout the rest of the show. Um, in fact, I, uh, putting a little bit of the cart before the horse here before we even get into the actual episode proper but um the i felt that uh this is my first time in a while since probably since my original watch through a buffy that i've watched some of these um original episodes of angel with the exception of i will remember you i mm-hmm. i happened to visit that revisit that one uh quite a bit because it's so good um uh, but you know i feel like i never I never really appreciated Doyle um, the way that I felt like um, Glenn Quinn's portrayal deserved, mm-hmm. and um, and I and I and it, it's kind of like been a nagging thing ever since. Um, let's just say that Doyle's legacy is an important part of season five, and that's yeah. all I'll say about that. Uh, don't want to get into spoilers here, but um, yeah, that like watching that like arc really kind of made me realize gosh just how weird it was um because angel does angels like buffy it starts off actually i think angel might even be more so in that it starts off as something and continually develops to where um say you get to season four you look at where they are where the characters are in season four and compare that to like what the show is in season one and it is um while some of the base things are still import like some of the base things have still been preserved um angels angels uh quest for redemption remains a constant in the Mm -hmm. series um there's been so many new things new twists and turns added that it's um it almost seems like a different show yeah so but yeah um all this to say that uh, I I really enjoyed watching these episodes, these first episodes of Angel, and getting to you know fully kind of appreciate just what kind of character Doyle was mm-hmm. and how he was able to work so well with both Angel and Cordy. And had he been on the series longer, I I think it would have been it would have been great. I think he would have been like it would have been a home for him. So. Yeah, I um, yeah, I, everything you just said, I agree with. Um, I think it's just really impressive how in nine episodes, um, they've made they successfully made Doyle, um, into, um, a, a an interesting character alongside of Angel and Cordelia, who'd had far longer to be developed. Um, and that his death at the end of this episode is. Uh, you know, it's genuinely heartbreaking. I I, I said yes. to Jason as I was as before we started recording, I was like, I had to go get some tissues because um, I was getting I was getting the weepies, um, and and that's that is not easy to do in a short period of time. And I do think, like you said, it's um it's kind of easy once we um move move forward with the show and as the show evolves, I do think it can be kind of easy to um to to forget Doyle's importance sometimes 
Um, but I do appreciate too, like you said, that the show um, ensures that his legacy lives on as he deserves. Yeah. But, uh, you know, with all that, let's talk about, uh, let's eventually make our way to Doyle's heroic last stand. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we start off with Cordelia describing nearly every opening shot of Angel, the uh, aerial shot of the skyline of L.A. Yep. Um, but uh, in this case, she is describing uh, a an advertisement for uh, TV that uh, she wants to make for... Angel investigation starring the Dark Avenger himself, Angel. <laughs> um, also starring, um, she hopes that they can get, quote, that bald Star Trek guy or one of the cheaper Baldwins. <laughs> Which is hilarious because this would have been just before um, Patrick Stewart was cast in his probably other most famous role of Professor X. Um, uh, yeah, because that that movie came out in two thousand, didn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, so yeah, he was probably filming it at this point. But um, yeah. I just thought that was kind of funny. Um, and she also casts herself. Um, but here's the problem with Cordy's casting: she can't be the one that that Angel saves because she's not a blonde. So, oh, sorry, Cordelia. Yeah. You, you just you can't be in this commercial. <laughs> Unless you're willing to dye your hair, and I don't think Cordelia's <laughs> going to do that. No. Actually, I could imagine, like, if this commercial actually came to fruition and she did cast herself, I do think Cordy would be like, you know, though, I do need a blonde wig. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if anybody is willing to point out uh, Angel's, uh, oh, what's the word? Um, his, uh, his MO, Sir- maybe. I was going to say, like, his circadian rhythms. But, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's Cordelia. Um, yeah. And, uh, however, Angel is skeptical about it. <laughs> to say but, the least. Um, now, I don't know if, you're, uh, if your DVD had the previously on segment, uh, but um, obviously, the uh, if you're watching it on Hulu, as I am, the previously on did deal did talk about uh the events of i will remember you and um obviously cordelia and doyle are not aware of what really went down when buffy came to la Mm -hmm. um and so angel is kind of being extra dismissive and broody um (laughs) which of course one i don't blame him but also cordelia is immediately ready to point out yeah um yeah and uh and she's i do have to say she is the only one at this moment thinking about the business um i mean that's i feel like that's a constant for her yeah and and in all fairness angel's not looking to really like have this business it wasn't his idea i feel like the whole business section was cordelia Mm. um so uh listen girls she's the one who, pay. like she she does um angel can just like drift into a random sewer and make an <laughs> and make a home for himself there um, oh look a mansion in this small town i guess <laughs> i'll just live here 
<laughs> Cordelia not as lucky. Um, but, uh, you know, she and Phantom Dennis, they've got to pay the rent. Mm-hmm. And you know he's not but, shipping in. Oh, well, he can't. He's a phantom. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that to sound so judgmental. Like... <laughs> <laughs> He is not technically corporeal, <laughs> ergo he cannot handle money. <laughs> I'm gonna call him Freeloader Dennis. <laughs> and Doyle is pointing out that, uh, hey, you know, commercial might not work since uh, Angel can't really go out into the sunlight, so uh, may call up like you know, vampire or some sort of thing that stays in the dark. And uh, also, they don't ha- they don't even have a detective license, uh, so that's great. Yeah, um, I love that Cordelia's just like, well, who cares about a license if we don't have any clients? <laughs> that's like, why do I need a why do I need a driver's license if I don't have a car? <laughs> but uh, but then Cordelia thinks, hey, you know what? We need somebody who is an everyday sort of guy to like appeal to all those average joes out there and who else but doyle and uh this is um not the best uh yeah um doyle's clearly uh nervous when he's doing this uh take and uh, it doesn't help that cordelia has misspelled words on (laughs) manila folders acting as cue cards the uh, hanging up folders <laughs> is such a perfect detail. Like it is because it means like, hey, we're not using them for anything else. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that I feel uh, the our rats are low is such, at least in my opinion, like an iconic angel line. <laughs> our rats are low. Rates. It says rats. Oh, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, and unfortunately. Even though he tries, um, and he's obviously super uncomfortable, he's like, oh, hey, is that it? Am I done? He really wants to get off a camera. Um, But uh, she says, like, you know, you're not coming across as a regular guy. More coming off as, like, a weasel. (laughs) (laughs) Good old Cordelia. Never mincing words. Oh, no. Never. Although she does have the decency to feel kind of bad about it after she says it. Yeah, um, so while Cordelia, while Cordelia, uh, contemplates getting Angel into a costume that includes some tights and a cape. My gay agenda uh, for this week. Yeah, Doyle says, like, oh, I can't, I can't, I don't see Angel putting on tights. Oh, now I can, and it's really disturbing. Like, I like, maybe for you. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying, I, 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 I'm not on Doyle's side uh, in this moment. I'm on his side for the rest of the episode, but no, no, no. But uh, Doyle does go down um, to talk to Angel uh, to figure out, you know, what's up? And Angel is uh, beating the shit out of a punching bag. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> um, I forget, is he wearing a shirt in this scene? He or, is. Uh, okay. I was like, this is a perfect time right? to have Angel not wearing a shirt, or at least wearing those, um, at least wearing those, like, uh... Like a tank? Yeah, tanks that, uh, that he's so fond of wearing. You know, I was about to say, like, minus one star for Angel wearing a shirt, but, you know what, this is Doyle's episode. 
Uh, and I do think it would be it would be unfair to to take away from Doyle's episode by by having Angel take off his shirt. Um, yeah, Angel has his moments, uh, you know. So let's give Doyle his day. Yep. <laughs> but you better take that uh, shirt off next week, motherfucker. But uh, <laughs> unfortunately, um, while we're giving Doyle his day, Angel relates that he lost a day, mm-hmm. um, or everybody else did. Uh, because, um, Doyle's like, oh, you know, Buffy wasn't here that long. I can, I guess I can understand why it messed me, why it would mess you up. And, uh, and that's when Angel's like, uh, oh, you never told me about the oracles. And Doyle's like, what? What are you talking <laughs> about? And this is when Angel is talk basically does a quick recap of everything that happened in I Will Remember You. I find this very significant, um, that he tells Doyle, and by extension, um, Cordelia, because um, Doyle fills her in later, but he doesn't it, tell Buffy. Um, and I don't really think does... he ever tells Buffy. As yeah. far as I know, that Buffy never finds out about the, the lost day. Well, in all fairness, um, Buffy is like, would obviously be the person most affected by that right. news. Um, and... Uh, I can imagine like Angel seeing all of the different outcomes of him telling Buffy this and none of them and all of them are either uh, unhelpful or just sad and usually a combination of both. (laughs) But yeah, you're right. It is significant that um, it honestly does seem like something that Angel would keep to himself. And Um, I think in the past he would have. I think. Yeah, I think if this had been if we were in episode one and this had just happened, he wouldn't have told anyone. But yeah, it really speaks to um, how close this trio has become and how much um, how much Angel trusts and relies on them. Um, yes. Which is, it's lovely to see. And um, there is a line that he has here, when, that Angel has. Um, and uh, I, rem- I, I didn't have like any paper to take down notes with me. But I made sure to kind of keep that in my head. But there is this one line that Angel has, and I and I made sure to remember it um, when he's talking about why um, he had to choose to reverse time, and he says that uh, we don't belong to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that's the line, and um, yeah, like. Again, this is Doyle's episode, but let's point out just how how apt that is for both Buffy and Angel. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I think for Doyle too. At the end yeah. of the episode, that's um, uh, and that, honestly that's his you, arc of this episode. And honestly, you could argue um, everyone in mm-hmm. the uh, in the Buffy and Angel series, yeah, um, because they're all as soon as you join the fight for good that typically takes a priority over everything else. Um, some people have it forced onto them like Buffy. Some people choose it uh, like Angel. And, um, but yeah, it's, it, it becomes your main priority to help people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I really, I really like that line. Um, and uh, Doyle says that he, obviously doesn't think that uh he could have he could have chosen um helping people over the 
pleasures of the flesh. <laughs> Ew, David. Ew, Doyle. <laughs> but uh, but he does say that hey, you know, maybe this is it. Maybe maybe Cordelia's right. You are a true blue hero. But then Angel brings up probably one of the most important reasons why they had the uh, fl- the previously on um section about i will remember you and that is that the oracles did say that uh the end of days was coming um so something is coming and uh angel needs to be ready for it um and uh it i actually kind of wonder like it are they making this is kind of going back to i will remember you but Mm -hmm. are they um did they ever truly imply that, and maybe maybe Doyle said it as well that Angel is the champion of the of the oracles of the powers that be, a champion for good, or is that something that kind of comes up later? Um, I I think it's you know I feel like it's been pretty well established. Yeah, I don't know it's, that it's ever been said like yeah it, it's terminology <laughs> that that is yeah. used later but um basically showing that the powers that be have a special interest in angel yeah and uh yeah um angel's just like you know what i just have to keep fighting the good fight and doyle says uh well i mean you fight i'll keep score <laughs> <laughs> which is more which is a do- very doyle way of saying i've got your back yeah um so in this next scene um, it's a lovely scene between Cordelia and uh, Doyle, where Doyle fills fills Cordelia in. But it does feature my least favorite thing in television and film, and it's the very clearly empty coffee cup. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, you do not like empty uh, cups. It's awful. It's just like it's. It's so obvious, and especially when Cordelia sets hers down, and you hear the hollow noise that it makes. <laughs> I just put some. I, I get that, like you don't want to put something. You you don't want actors like using stuff on screen that they could potentially get on their costume or like stain the set or something like that. But like, put some water in it at least. Also, give it some well, the thing is, and I've noticed this. Um, in all their places watching Stephen Colbert. Um, <laughs> sometimes if you uh, if you take a wrong sip, which can happen, especially when you're like on a script or something, then like all of a sudden you can get choked up and ruin the whole take. That's true. Um, so, yeah, well, I don't agree with it. Um, uh, do, you, do you actually remember... Uh, so this is a funny story. Uh, listeners, I don't know if you all are aware, but I can't really drink... I think I've brought it up before. I can't really drink carbonated drinks um, apart from beer. Beer isn't as carbonated as sodas and stuff like that. But um, yeah, sodas... Uh, trying to think of like other perpetrators. Those are kind of the big ones. Um, soft drinks, your Cokes, your Sprites, all of that. I can't really drink those because uh, they get my stomach upset. And uh, what is funny is that uh, one time we were, uh, Harrison and I were in a production of Frankenstein together. And 
Yes, and it was a dress rehearsal. Fortunately, not a show. Um, but uh, there is a scene where uh, Harrison was uh, Victor Frankenstein and I was um, uh, Henry Clairval. Uh, and uh, that was my name, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, I watched that like last Halloween. I watched that Frankenstein movie and it just threw me off on all the characters' <laughs> real names. But um, he, uh, but yeah, apparently uh, um, our stage manager did not know about that my aversion to uh, carbonated drinks, and so she brought out. Um, it wasn't champagne. I think it was a uh, ginger ale or something, maybe. Mm-hmm. But it was like uh, supposed to be champagne. It was for the wedding scene, wasn't it? It was basically when we were toasting the House of Frankenstein. Yeah. So oh, yeah. early on, yeah. And uh, and I took like a quick, and um, we all just kind of like downed it as you do with uh, champagne because you know we're actors. <laughs> and uh, but I think I mid might have immediately started like coughing and stuff because I'm I'm just so not used to something that heavily carbonated. Um, like I'm not used to drinking that. And uh, everybody's like, "Oh my god, are you okay?" Full on thought you were going to die. Like <laughs> <laughs> And like I would have felt bad, but I'm a professional and I would have kept going. <laughs> no, it's it's absolutely true and I respect you for that. <laughs> I have, you know, I have to like improv a little bit like, "Huh, how strange that Henry just collapsed. I'll go make my monster now." <laughs> I believe at that point you had mostly uh he had mostly been made. We you I just needed he, yeah you just needed Henry to uh, help out with the last little bit of it. Yep. Um. But yeah, I thought that'd be a fun a uh, fun little anecdote about uh, drinking on stage or in this case in front of the camera for uh, Cordy and Doyle. But apart from the lack of coffee in the coffee cup, yeah. Go on. <laughs> this scene's just really lovely. Um. Doyle fills Cordy in um, about what happened. Um, and uh, they just kind of, they, they get to talking about um, like relationships and um, and like secrets and relationships. And um, she basically, she says like, you know, I don't want there to be any secrets between us. And it seems like for a moment, um, Doyle's going to tell her that he's half demon, but then he, then he chickens out. Um, and, um, there's also just, I, I had forgotten that this happened, um, cause you know, I was bitching back in the bachelor party that there, we really didn't get any closure with, uh, Doyle and Harriet. Um, so we do find out here that they, um, they're, Harriet's still in LA and they're, um, they're kind of, they're kind of keeping their distance for now, um, as they kind of, as Harriet works through you know, the events of that episode. But um, it seems like they are, you know, um, tentatively friendly with one another, um, which was, um, that was nice to, nice to hear. And I'm glad we got yeah. that, that bit of closure before, um, uh, before Doyle's sacrifice. Um, but yeah, then he gets a vision and, um, it's a, it's a, um, a group of people just like, um, huddled together, or not people, demons. Um, are the, sorry, demons are people too. Um, 
And That's kind of like one of the points that Doyle tries to make in this episode. Yeah. Um, and then Cordelia says, at the end of his vision, she's like, did they look like they could afford to pay? Um, and uh, I, you're right, this scene is really good because this, even though I feel like all of Doyle's stuff culminates and there's a lot to culminate in this episode, mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's, mostly done very well um doyle just had the scene with angel where he talks about how oh i'd never be able to uh give up what i love the most to fight the good fight Mm -hmm. and um now he's talking about how oh probably not going to be in a relationship with harry i don't know if i'll ever have like a relationship that i want unless um as he says he needs to put some cards on the table and this is you gotta think back to the first episode of Angel, how, and even a couple episodes after that, how Doyle's, re- we don't really know too much about him, mm-hmm. and he doesn't, he's not ready to share anything with Angel, especially after that one guy uh, comes after him for money. Mm-hmm. Angel even says, like, one time, like, one of these days I'll learn more about you, and um, that's, that's the big theme for this episode, is... Uh, while Angel has the redemption arc that we all know and love and are here for, uh, Doyle has a um, very, very uh, more condensed version of that. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not even redemption. It's more just becoming a better person, like overcoming yeah. all of the uh, overcoming all of the things that you're not too happy about about yourself. Yeah, he's got this, as we learn later in his flashback, he's got this, you know, um, this experience with uh, other uh, a clan of other Bracken demons um, and that he clearly feels um, a lot of regret about. Um, and this is, you know, his actions in this episode are his way of, um, I think in his eyes, of atoning for that, that failure. Yes. Um, whereas... Uh, it, it does feel like it's it's for Doyle. It's uh, to contrast him from Angel. It's one very specific failure in his past that he feels like he needs to atone for. Whereas Angel, it's um, you know uh, centuries centuries of, of it. Whereas yeah. if I you know if this episode were to go the direction of you know obviously it wasn't going to because the show is called Angel. But if Angel had sacrificed himself here you know i don't know if i would have said like did angel earn his redemption what was saving this group of people enough maybe i mean not my maybe not my place to say one way or the other but um it feels doyle's sacrifice here feels um i guess narrative narrative narratively um appropriate to his past yeah um, and, uh, we get a, a very short scene of, um, a girl running and, um, dropping some stuff and, uh, she's running from, uh, the sound of boots marching and, uh, another, a boy comes up and like, uh, helps her grab whatever she can and then they all run, uh, away 
this leads to Angel and Doyle finding the uh, building from Doyle's vision. And uh, uh, the Angel smells something. And uh, Doyle notices that there's like food out that's still warm. Uh, so they, uh, they actually find a trap door where a bunch of demons are hiding there. And they are called Listers. Mm-hmm. Lister demons. And um, they're all right by, by yeah. the standard. Yeah, n- nothing too impressive. I mean, it's not like uh, it's not like the Bracken demons. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's <laughs> the, the, it kind of makes me think of like um, their how of Star Trek how there are quite a few episodes where aliens are just kind of like, oh, they're humans, but they have yeah. But they have one distinguishing feature, and um, I wouldn't say that these are completely at that level, but they're only a little bit above Yeah, it. they've just got the, like, prosthesis on the cheek. Do you feel like sometimes on Star Trek, um, and I'm saying this with a lot of love, um, that sometimes when they needed to do an alien design, especially if it was just, like, a one-off, they were just, like... They play. They just play a game of just like grab a random prosthesis and just close their eyes and put it on a random spot on the person's head and go. Yeah, it, that's it, it what on, the Tula alien looks like. Yeah, it honestly, <laughs> um, it honestly, and I mean, when you look at like the most famous Star Trek species, uh, alien species, like you look at Vulcans, it's like oh, they have um, they have pointed ears and they have the eyebrows. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's it. Yep. Um, the Bajorans have their nose ridges. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, hell, the Klingons in the original series—they just had the regular beards. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. <laughs> um, thankfully, they got a redesign. But uh, it, it actually—I I feel like that is equivalent to Doctor Who, the early <laughs> years. <laughs> yeah. How they were like, okay, what have we got? available to us and how can we make an alien out of it i mean yep. only a person who is truly lacking in um in uh materials would have m- made the daleks <laughs> and <laughs> yeah and Once the again, daleks are we're not saying the with most... a lot of love yeah no i love doctor who and i love star trek you know this <laughs> um but uh and it's funny because um the daleks are the obviously the most the, the most famous villains from Doctor yep. Who. Yep. Oh, man. Um, but uh, where were we? Oh, yeah, Angel. Uh, yeah, they've just found the Lister Demons. They did find the Lister Demons, and uh, they are trying to get to a sanctuary, um, which is on an island near Ecuador. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Unfortunately, they've been on the run from the Scourge. Yes. Um, Hey, Jason. Hey, what? Did you find the... Did you you figure out the parallels they were making in this episode? Did you get it? Did Um, you... (laughs) I don't know. I mean, there is a very good chance that I did not see the (laughs) parallel. You know, I will say, in the past, I... I really like this episode, but I, I, in past viewings, I was like, okay, we get it. They're Nazis, like modern day <laughs> Nazis. It's a little over the top. And then, you know, watching it this week, I was like, oh God, modern day Nazis. 
just another day in 2021. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, the Scourge are very much uh, the Buffyverse version of Nazis. Um, demons that are trying to hunt down uh, half-breeds, mm-hmm. mongrels as they call them. I mean... It's almost as obvious as the Death Eaters in Harry Potter. <laughs> it's yeah, it is not subtle. I'll, um, although I do think this causes a bit of a continuity issue with Buffy, um, because it's it's established in Buffy, unless I misunderstood that like pure demons are like what the mayor became. Um, yeah, and that like all standard demons are all standardly demons which presumably would include the scourge are quote-unquote half-breeds um you know i'm not gonna give the uh the demon nazis too much credit or (laughs) actually excuse me the nazi demons let's be (laughs) let's be correct here i'm not gonna give them too much credit i'm sure they just have as the nazis did their own their own definition for what pure is no, that's um, a fair point, actually. Yeah. Um, it's not as big of a continuity error as uh, one would think. And I mean, also terminologies. I mean, uh, Giles studied demon, demons for years, and he only found out because of what Anya said about the that's mayor true. that, oh, you had never seen, you've never seen a real demon. So I think, um, I think it's two different perspectives. Yeah. Uh, I can get on board with that. I can get on board with that. The, um... Oh, damn it. I just lost what point I was going to make. Uh, <laughs> no, no, that's okay. Um... Oh, I feel like I was going to say something really good. But, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, a continuity error. And I wouldn't even say it's continuity error. I just say that, like, it's something... Um, the fact that... And I mean, we've talked about uh, we've talked about like kind of similar MacGuffins and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the fact that the Scourge are never really used again. They're mentioned mm-hmm. once in both series after this, um, or they're mentioned only once um, in either series. And uh, they also have a weapon that can kill anything with human blood in it and that seems like a pretty huge thing yeah (laughs) to just kind of sweep under the rug after one episode so uh that's kind of my continuity gripe i feel like i feel like one they introduce like a weapon that is kind of game changing Mm -hmm. um and kind of like the um the The gem of amara well, I was oh. going to say, like, the Mora Demon's Blood. Yeah, that's probably um, a better example. You're right. That, it was the Mora, right? Yes. Or, or uh, the Moira. We like yeah, well, no, it. I was, like, I was making sure that I, like, wasn't getting it mix, mixed up with the Mora from Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. Which I think I mentioned when we did the I Will Remember You episode. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and also the Scourge is a good idea, even though they are completely on the nose about what yeah. they're trying what point they're trying to make and i actually am a little sad that they don't show up again because no, i am too 
Yeah, I feel like they would be a good recurring foe. And they're cool. Like, you know, we were kind of iffy on the Lister's design. I really liked the design of the Scourge, where they've got, like... Football the, heads. Like, rotted skin, but then, like, what looks like human skin, like, pinned to their heads, like, in patches. They... they it reminded me a little bit of... Um, of the Cenobites from the Hellraiser franchise, uh, just not not quite as um, as uh, uh, um, uh, over the top as the as the as the Cenobites. I was going to um, say that it uh, reminded me of those uh, aliens from Voyager that stole your organs. Hmm, I don't remember that one. Uh, I, I wish I could remember like their names. I feel like a bad Star <laughs> Trek fan now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're the ones that stole like. Um, neelix's lungs or whatever hmm. um no memory of that huh. all right well <laughs> never mind uh, nerd <laughs> but um but yeah uh with the mention of the scourge this is when um one uh the lister brings up the fact that there's a prophecy that a promised one would uh, appear at the end of the century Hey, it's 1999, and they would save the demons from the Scourge. Um, they obviously assume that it's Angel because, I mean, God, look at him. Yep. Yeah, everyone <laughs> does. Everyone, even Doyle's just like, oh, yeah, this is definitely your guy. <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, is, is yet another good, like, misdirect um, mm-hmm. for the final part of the episode. I love a good prophecy twist. I Yeah. Like, ooh, ooh, um, gets me right in the tinglies. And uh, the um, like the teenage kid whose name is Reef that uh, that helped the girl earlier. He's like, yeah, I don't think this guy's our guy. I don't really think that I'm not really believing in a promised one. Um, I love Reef because even though he's a demon, he's also such a teenager. <laughs> and he's like, oh my god, church is stupid, dad. Like. <laughs> Is there such thing as a savior of the of of our people, Dad? Um. This is when, um, but this is also when Doyle fills Angel in on not only what the Scourge is, who the Scourge are, but also uh, the experience that he had with him. That's when we get this flashback uh, to shortly after Doyle has found out about his um, half demon heritage. And uh, and he is approached by a a Bracken demon named Sean Gunn Lucas, uh, <laughs> who is played by Sean Gunn. Um, who, if you all don't know, he is um, Kirk from Gilmore Girls and uh, brother to James Gunn, the director of, among other things, the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Uh, in which Sean Gunn has a part. He plays um, Craglin. I think that's his name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's one he, of the like minor like henchmen of Yondu. Yeah, he, he's ba- yeah he's basically Yondu's like go to guy. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so and Sean Gunn appears in several things. Uh, you and he's uh, definitely he, a hey, it's that guy sort of actor. Yeah, and it's um and he and his brother often like tries to find at least. Uh, some kind of role for him so it's nice that they do that i Um, i always enjoy him and like i love uh i I really kirk is the kind of character who could be really annoying um but i think sean gunn plays him with 
um just enough like humanity that i find him endearing instead of yeah. irritating i mean um, you could say that for a majority of the residents of stars hollow that's true that's <laughs> fair that's a fair point um i mean even taylor uh taylor um while he does annoy me quite a bit <laughs> i i can't imagine gilmore girls without him well, who would who would who would Luke yell at constantly? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure he'd find somebody. He's a very he's a very curmudgeon-y dude. True, 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 true. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, Lucas is a Bracken demon who is uh, who's trying to get Doyle's help because uh, he knows that he's also a Bracken demon, half a Bracken demon, and uh, the Scourge are coming after uh, his family. And, um, and, uh, Doyle says, no, I don't want any part of this. Um, and as we've seen that tracks with Doyle because mm-hmm. he keeps his demon side fairly well hidden. Yeah. Um, but, uh, especially since this is, as you mentioned, just post that trauma of learning about his demon half. Yes. Um, so he's deaf, like, you know, we've seen him reluctant to engage with it in the present, but he will, if he has to. But here we're seeing him where he wanted nothing to do with it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is when we find out that this is when uh, Doyle has his first vision. And it's of the uh, Brackens. And uh, so he so he ended up thinking... He thought that the vision was just a dream. But he went to where the vision took place and saw that they were all dead. And um, Doyle blamed himself for that. Yeah. And uh, and he says that the problem with the Scourge is that uh, they are fanatics. Mm-hmm. And uh, they truly believe in what they are doing, which is a bad thing. And yeah. uh, Angel's how, right. How it is... hard did that... That hit hard when I was like, oof, that feels... You know, that feels like something that, that this exchange between them about fighting fanatics felt like it was written now. Like, I mean, and that just goes to show that that has been a mm-hmm. constant throughout history. Yeah. Um, Cordelia ends up uh, getting a truck and uh, she's basically going to help the Listers get to get to the uh dock where angel is um getting uh getting a way for them to get out of uh la and i'm so happy so happy that they actually put what happens when she sees the lister demon in the buffy wiki so i'm just gonna (laughs) read it off um later cordelia drives a truck over to the building inside she encounters the senior lister and tells him that the breath spray she's holding is really demon repellent. She sprays it, and the Lister calmly notes, Wintergreen. <laughs> that line, one word, so perfect. Love it. <laughs> like, love, love, love it. Like, I mean, you, you've got a whole lot of stuff going on right now. It's very tense. But the fact that they were able to throw in that random joke, good job, writers. That yeah. good job. And good job for the um senior lister um james henrickson perfect line reading and then uh but no but doyle's like no they're uh 
you know, we're we're here to help them. And uh, Cordelia kind of pushes back for a moment, and uh, she's like, you know, we're just not we're supposed to fight evil, not help demons. And once again, we're delving into these grayer waters than we than we typically delve into um, in in Buffy in the past. Um, of you know, they're they're demons, but they're not evil. They they need help. They're um, you know they're refugees essentially and um uh and i cordelia she's like you're right and i i loved i liked that it didn't take a lot of uh cordelia i liked that it didn't, cordelia didn't need a lot of convincing once yeah, it, doyle presented his argument she was like okay i'm on board I think that might be more along the lines of her trusting doyle as opposed mm-hmm. to like fully believing his argument but, uh, yeah, and, you know, Cordelia gives him crap later when she finds out that he's a half-demon. But, I mean, she's constantly made comments throughout mm-hmm. the time that they've known each other about how awful she thinks demons are. I mean, I, I think they're more ignorant than they are uh, malicious. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, she's I mean... She's given him plenty of reason to... yeah. To, she, to be worried about how, how she'd react. Yeah, I mean, she can't be mad at him for all that. But, you know, Doyle's a gentleman and doesn't bring any of that up. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, so the plan is, is that uh, a ship captain owes Angel money. So he's getting this captain to take the captain of the of a freighter called the Quintessa um, to take uh, the Listers into um, to that sanctuary island uh, in exchange for uh, in exchange for the debt. And um, good old Cordelia, always thinking <laughs> about the business. She's like, uh, "Why are we not just getting money instead?" <laughs> I will get to it when we get to that scene, but um, I really love Cordelia's uh, compromise on these ideals <laughs> later on. But yeah, and uh, even the Buffy Wiki says uh, that Doyle reminds her that there are oppressed demon people um, there and asks her to please do this. The fact that he says please makes Cordelia worried. Um and uh, you can just see how far um, Doyle and Cordelia have come. Uh, granted, I feel like they they spend more time together than either of them spends with Angel uh, up to this point. So it, it's yeah. it's been a very good buildup of the development of them. Um, so, and I I really like this scene of Angel with the Harbor Master getting those documents. Um, I feel like there are quite a few times um, that uh, we see Angel, or it's mentioned in passing, that Angel uh, pulled some strings and got this done, Um, which is why I really like that we actually kind of get to see him pulling some strings in this scene, Uh, which is basically just... Threatening to eat the guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> if you don't do this, I'll eat you. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I appreciate, I appreciate the show being willing to be like, 
yeah, Angel will rough people up if he has to. Like, you know, he doesn't have time to mince words. These people's lives are on the line. Um, so, you know, there's there. this is not the time for pretty please. But, um, yeah, the guy does end up uh, uh, signing off on the documents and stamping them. Because, I mean, hey, nobody really wants to get eaten by a vampire. No, not me. Uh, well... One person does, but we'll get to that in a long while. Ugh. Um, anyway, uh, um, so Reef has actually, uh, left while everybody else is, um, packing to get on the truck. Uh, Doyle says, like, okay, um, I'll get a hold of you guys. Um, I'm gonna find Reef. Um, and, uh, so Cordelia starts taking, she drives off. And, um, and Doyle, she drives off with all the other listers. Doyle does find Reef, and, um, yeah, and Reef says this, like, kind of very, very poignant thing. Um, it's honestly, like, uh, I think I forgot about this scene, um, until <laughs> I saw it. But, um, yeah, he's talking about how, you know he's a demon and he's going to be hated wherever he goes. Um, and he tells the story of how his, um, it was it his mother or his like foster mother or something. I think it was his mother. Yeah. Um, she like, could maternal figure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was one day that she felt comfortable, like taking him out into the world and, uh, it was Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, damn, that that's actually really sad. Yeah. Uh, I remember the first time watching this episode um, years and years ago when he had that line. I remember, like, before Doyle said Halloween, I was like, why? Like, I, he said the line. I remember being like, why would Doyle know this detail about your life? I don't understand. And when Doyle said, like, Halloween, I was like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. Um, which is interesting because it kind of ties into the, um, the headlisters conversation with cordelia later um about how you know obviously cordelia can sympathize and empathize with these people um and their and their plight but she does not have these lived experiences that doyle does to really be able to understand which is of course a conversation we're constantly having um around race and around gender and sexuality um in in our real world yeah um that's absolutely right doyle is still trying to convince uh him that uh you know angel's gonna be able to help you but reef is just like i don't really like like i said don't believe in the promised one um but doyle's just like i mean you can still depend on him and uh and he has this pretty good thing like uh Oh, you can put your faith in something. It doesn't exact like it may it may be bogus or something like that. But if you put your faith in something, at least that gives you hope. Mm-hmm. Um, which I mean, it's fairly important. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, now is when Cordelia is um, at the freighter, and uh, everybody's still kind of waiting for uh, Reef to show up, and. Uh, and uh, is this when she uh, has the uh, haggling session? 
<laughs> yes. So, um, yeah. So basically, the the captain of the ship is like, you know, we're we have to go now, and Cordelia is like, no, no, we need to wait. Um, and this is where we learn that um, instead of telling the captain that in exchange for this, Angel will absolve him of all of his debt. Cordelia decides to tell him that Angel will absolve him of 50% of his debt. Um, and she's like, yep, Angel definitely said that. Um, <laughs> but I I, uh, I appreciate her practical thinking. And it also, it does help that by doing this, she unintentionally puts herself at a better tactical bargaining position. <laughs> um, so when he's like, all right, well, I'll wait. If we up it to 60% and Cordelia's like, you drive a hard bargain. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, this episode, uh, obviously it's somber. We're going to get, it's got dealing with some really serious stuff. Um, But, you know, I'm finding we're laughing a lot more than I expected. Um, It's, it, it has its moments so that it's not all grim dark the whole time. And, you know, I think um, I think in a in a somber episode, uh, there can be funny moments, mm-hmm. and um, and if they're done well, if they're written well, then uh, they stick out in a good yeah. way. Yeah, um, you and don't want to stick out in a bad way. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but it's you know, yeah, it's important to have you know mo- moments just to give the audience a moment to breathe and like yeah i feel like it would kind of reset emotionally it wouldn't be buffy or angel if um if uh if it was all doom and Mm -hmm. gloom um or it had to be like a really a really important episode but even then like um i'm trying to think of like the most the saddest episode of either show that i can think of which um we haven't gotten to yet. Yeah. Even that has Is it a um, certain season five of Buffy episode? Yeah. Um, not your favorite episode, but definitely one that you put um, yeah. very high up there. But even yeah. that has like a scene about... Um, even that has a random scene. Well, not random per se, but a scene that has, quite frankly, one of the most hilarious exchanges mm-hmm. um, on the show. And... Uh, and it's like intercut in between all of the uh, all the bad stuff. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I, and I think that is more often than not the case with uh, these writers of Buffy and Angel that they're able to work in the humor at good points and to good measure. Yeah. Not um, not uh, not ill timed. That being said. There are probably plenty of moments where there are the humor is ill-timed, but uh, usually that's in the form of a Xander Harris comment. <laughs> but um, um, yeah, but yeah. So uh, Doyle and Reef are hiding because they hear the scourge coming, and uh, we finally do get to see the scourge. Um, God, they even even their uniforms are like fucking Nazi esque. It's ridiculous. Oh yeah, um, yeah. But uh, they ended up. Um, so Doyle tells Reef to run, or no, he tells Reef to stay in his hiding place while he goes off to just kind of lead the scourge away. Um, they're about to like 
beat the crap out of him, but Angel is able to grab him and uh and so what they what they end up doing is uh Angel shows up and uh he says that uh, he tells the scourge leader that uh or at least the leader of this platoon that um oh I'm really good at killing half breeds which is and um the scourge even point out that uh oh you're like you're the ultimate half breed you're the lowest of the low and uh he's like yeah I hate my humanity um <laughs> which I feel like obviously it's an act that Angel's putting on right now but I feel like uh I could easily see Angelus um oh yeah hey feeling what he says 100%. It felt um actually I feel like it it kind of reminded me of his uh Angelus's freak out at the end of um uh I only have eyes for you after yeah. he has his human feelings and he's like he's like he's like fuck this feeling so much that it, that he's like you know what I'm just going to suck the world into hell rather than have feelings. <laughs> yeah. I call that extreme. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's pretty level-headed reaction. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so um, so when he... It looks like he's killing Doyle, snaps Doyle's neck. Um, he then's like, hey, can I join you guys? And they're like, yeah, sure, why not? You like killing half-breeds. That's our, that's our thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so when and basically Angel... the deal is, like, you know he gets like once they're done then then he gets to die like um which is yikes <laughs> not the best deal but i mean <laughs> making the best of a bad situation <laughs> um so uh once angel is away with the scourge uh reef uh finds doyle and oh hey doyle's not dead clearly um so they do eventually make, start making their way to the freighter. Meanwhile, Angel has not only put on the uniform of the Scourge, but he has also combed his hair to look like a goddamn Hitler youth. Um, I hate it. Oh, it's, it's so bad. And it sucks that he has to have his hair like that for the rest of the episode until the very end. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, Angel, th- this doesn't look good on you. You need the spikes. You need the... the yeah, the, the volume yeah. Is, is important. Um, it's what we're here for. But, uh, yes, um, so a member of the Scourge, who is played by Lee Ehrenberg, um, is... Uh, basically just wait, like wait, oh, really? we hate that was ha- Lee Ehrenberg? Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Huh. Um I saw his name at the beginning of the episode and I kind of kept an eye out for him. Uh Lee Ehrenberg is a uh, pretty uh pretty well-known character actor. Um he's in mm-hmm. he like a lot of Buffy and Angel guest stars has made the rounds on quite a few shows at the time. Um his probably like his biggest project um is either uh, he's one of the uh, two kind of bumbling pirates in Pirates of the Caribbean or mm-hmm. in the original trilogy. Or um, if you're a Once Upon a Time fan, he plays Grumpy. He's Grumpy. Uh, yeah. Um, I believe the first thing I ever saw him in was either 
Scrubs, where he's the doctor that yells, My machines! Or, um, <laughs> or he was in two episodes of Seinfeld. Uh, and uh, he's the guy who um, tries to parallel park into the into the same spot that George tries to, and uh, they yell at each other. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he does it all. <laughs> he can do it all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he doesn't have too uh, It much... also looks like he's made his rounds uh, in uh, all three of the 80s, 90s uh, Star Trek shows. He was in Voyager, Deep Space Nine, and Next Generation. Yeah, that, that tracks... Uh... <laughs> Um, cause I mean, when you're going to a different planet every episode, then, uh, you, you need, you need as many guest stars as you can find. Yep. Um, he, I think he was even in an episode of Pushing Daisies. Oh, yeah. Which I know you love. I do love um, Pushing Daisies. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, so basically it's just like, blah, 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 we hate mongrels, we hate half-breeds. Um, basically your typical neo-nazi rally um, um sorry real quick i just had a moment as i was like about to close his imdb page i was i like just like was still kind of scanning and i came this close to going oh he was in an episode of angel <laughs> oh my god <laughs> listeners this is what i'm working with here <laughs> Oh, something blue. That's Willow's blue. I have a very vivid memory of the night I realized that Y2K meant year 2000. Oh my god. I, I was just like sitting on my couch doing something completely, something else completely. And then I just like looked up and I'm like, John, Y2K stands for year 2000. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, um, the Scourge reveal that they have a huge light. It's this big old uh, crystal-shaped light. And um, when, they, uh, when they turn it on, it, uh, kills, it kills anything with human blood in it. And... Um, at this point, it's revealed that uh, the first mate of the Quintessa has let them know that the Listers are trying to get off on a ship um, and get out of L.A. And uh, so they just like, hey, let's use it on this guy. Just show off how awesome it is. Angel sees it and he's like, oh, crap. And um, he's able to uh, steal one of the Scourge's uh, motorcycles. Um so Doyle and Reef get to the freighter, uh, and uh, yeah, this at so right before they show up, this is when um, the elder Lister has was mm-hmm. telling um, the the conversation you already talked about, where he reveals that uh, Doyle's a half demon, and so he can relate to their plight a little bit more, and um, so she's like, "Oh my God, wait, really?" Uh, because she just had no idea. Yep. And See, this is the kind of casual revelation that I feel like should have happened in The Bachelor Party, but regardless. I do enjoy the fact that the one demon that uh, that Cordelia does punch 
in the in the bachelor Doyle. party is Doyle, and she just doesn't know. Uh, which what is what did they do to you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's great. Uh, but Doyle does show up, and um, this is when uh, she slaps him. And says, like, how could you not tell me that you were a half-demon? Which, we've already discussed how he couldn't tell her, because she yeah. said some things that are not, not great. Um, but he does, he was, he says, well, I was afraid you would reject me. And she scoffs and is like, I already rejected you. You're short, you're poor. <laughs> like, being a heart-demon is way down on the list. <laughs> but... Then she says, uh, oh, she also says, I work for a vampire. And then she says, what do you think I am? Superficial? <laughs> and, uh, but then we have, like, the, probably the cutest moment. Like, uh, would you ask me out to dinner already? And just as he's about to, that's when Angel shows up. It's like, hey, we need to get out of here. Like, God damn it, Angel. I didn't realize that I was shipping this. <laughs> right? I... Uh... I, you know, you, listeners who have listened to our Hot Takes episode um, will know that I have maybe one of the hotter takes as far as shipping goes. That is, um, But, you know, I, I, I do think Doyle and Cardelia are cute together. And I agree with Doyle. It is too bad that we'll never know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, now we're getting into the tough part. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Angel is um, Angel uh, is trying to uh, fight off as many of the Scourge soldiers as it can. Unfortunately, it's not enough uh, because um, even though he's able to kill uh, the head Scourge, um, they are able to get the beacon. That's what they call it. I was trying to remember what the name of the light was, but they're able to uh, get the beacon like into the ship where into the hold where all of the uh listers are mm -hmm. and um i can't remember if we actually said this i'm just gonna say it again here um in, in case we didn't but um it was mentioned that the the uh the like radius of this at full power is like a quarter of a mile or something like that so it's not just the people on this ship who will be killed but also lots of other people yeah um, in the surrounding area but um yeah so even though they are able to kill off the scourge um they uh everybody says like angel's trying to get everybody out but um like the doors have been blocked uh they can't get out and um so that's when angel explains like what the light does and um he thinks like, oh, if I can pull that cable, then I can turn it off. Um, and uh, Doyle and Cordelia are both like, hey, I mean, you'll die. And Angel's like, eh, I'll do it anyway. That's my job. And um, Doyle says, uh, the good fight, yeah? Oh, my God. You never know until you've been tested. I get that now. And um, he hits Angel. And Angel just like fall, like wipes out onto the onto the lower part of the hold and Doyle kisses Cordelia and um, this is an important kiss we'll talk okay. about how important it is next in the next Angel episode but as for right now let's just enjoy this kiss yeah. um, and uh, 
he then changes into his uh, bracken face and says, too bad we'll never know if this is a face you could learn to love. Okay, and, and here's where I first started getting misty-eyed. Yeah. Because, um, damn, that's a great line. Um, and Glenn Quinn... I, I do, like... In the short time he's on the show, I think he gives a consistently good performance. But I do think that line right there is is the very best moment of Doyle. Uh, I, the line reading is so sincere, so heartbreaking. I, yeah, yeah. It's it's a culmination. I can't of believe everything. I'm having to experience this twice in one day. God damn it! <laughs> it, it hey, this was your idea. This podcast was <laughs> I your idea. Um, <laughs> I'm just here for the ride. Uh, yeah, no, this is a really good... I mean, like I said, this is a character arc that is uh, short, but um, I think overall extremely well done. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, it seems like a lot culminates in this episode, but I think it culminates well. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, it, and yeah, it all kind of culminates up to that one line. Um, and... Uh, or I guess technically the two lines, the one he says to Angel and then the one mm-hmm. he says to Cordelia. Um, but yes, Doyle does um, jump onto the beacon and um, while the light starts basically kind of just melting him, uh, he's oh, able... It's gnarly. Yeah, he's able to... Um, he's able to pull the... Uh, he's able to pull the uh, cables apart and... Um, he dies. He gets disintegrated, but um, yeah. everybody and this else is scream safe. Is the scream is agonizing? Like yeah. they make sure we know that this is painful. horrifically painful. Yeah. Um. And god damn it, Cordelia fucking is sobbing and like you. Ugh. And um. And she and Angel hug and oh god. And you know, I think um. I think, like, at that moment, it's probably not Cordelia and Angel. It's probably David and Charisma. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they're yeah. just like, oh, we're, we're saying goodbye to um, to our friend. Like, this... Because, yeah. I mean, you look at... Um, you look at Angel, and at, as popular as Buffy got, the... I think any spinoff is, um, it's a risky shot. And I feel that a lot of spinoffs don't work. Um, and, and it is kind of, uh, and it is kind of, um, it it was a risk. And, uh, I think that they all kind of share that risk together. Um, all, all the writers, directors, crew, uh, but especially David Charisma, David Boreanaz, Charisma Carpenter and Glenn Quinn, and, um, yeah. I mean, you could tell that they had been through a lot, even though it's just nine episodes, they'd been through a lot. And, um, yeah, I, I think, I think in that moment it was, it's not just, um, Cordelia and Angel, it's, uh, David and Charisma. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have the scene that almost got me crying. Um, almost, uh, they're back at the office and, uh, they don't say anything. All they're doing is watching the advertisement. And, um, of course, now Doyle's lines that say, is that it? Am I done? Have a much 
much, much more somber meaning. Yeah. I adore that. The ability to be able to take this scene earlier in the episode that was so funny and to twist it into this um, just heartbreaking moment. And that that's it. The, is that it? Am I done? And then the silent cut to the credits. Yeah. It's, it's the a- perfect, perfect end of this episode. Yeah, and um, this is kind of the uh, this is the first time that uh, in this in our watch through so far that a um, that a main ally character um, who's been part of a main cast has died, um, yeah. and now unfortunately it will not be the last um yeah get ready for some heartbreak but uh no this is um this is rough uh and i think um and i think when i was doing my first watch through of angel i didn't think i mean all the stuff that we've seen in buffy and the stuff that we've seen in angel you don't think that death is as permanent as it is in the real world but I mean, in this case, it was, and uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was heartbreaking. Um, and I, I also think that, um, I mean, there's the added, um, the the added heartbreak of Glenn Quinn's real life death. I mean, it's impossible to watch this episode. I think if you know about his death, um, I, I. I at least I can't. It's very difficult to to separate the two, um, in, you know, in retrospect. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, but yeah, I mean, you had, like I've said a couple times now, you this episode had so many... Um, uh, it had uh, the culmination of um, of Doyle going from, like, lazy drifter to uh to full-blown hero um it had uh it had him like gaining the confidence um in himself to like i'd say that he pretty much came to accept his half demon side in the end mm-hmm. um and uh it also had like him finally admitting his true feelings to cordelia and uh it, it did all of that and um and I think the only I'm not going to give this episode a perfect score. Um, I'm going to. I just think that there's a lot in this episode, and mm-hmm. sometimes it feels a little too much. Most of it being scourge related. Yeah, um, I agree. But uh, I am here for everything involving Doyle. Um, but yeah, I uh, I really do enjoy this episode. Um, like I said, we've been, uh, I like how, um, the last, uh, it's like, oh, um, Angel, our, this episode and the last episode were heartbreakers, and, uh, we had that nice little Buffy, uh, something blue, uh, yeah. interlude of like, hey, we're not gonna be completely, uh, heartbroken, but, Although- uh, this is... <laughs> I can imagine back back on November thirtieth, nineteen ninety nine, because something blue 
would have aired right before Hero, I just imagine like the audience coming off of that something blue high and being like, what a delightfully fun episode. And then it's like, Nazis, heroic sacrifice, heartbreak. Main character dead. <laughs> yeah. like, oh my God. <laughs> Why? I mean, that's, that's honestly just par for the course with Buffy and Angel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, even this episode begins on a pretty lighthearted note with the, um, with Cordelia's meta parody of the show so far. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is our, uh, this is our last time uh, seeing Doyle in person. Um, but as I said before, his uh, his legacy is uh, going to last for a little while. Um, yeah. For the rest of the show, really. Um, so yeah, just don't... Don't do what I did. Don't forget about... Um, don't forget about Doyle. And don't forget about Glenn Quinn. Um, but yeah, I, will, I don't really have anything else to add. I, I, I don't. You've, I think you summed it up really well. I, I don't have anything else to add either. I'm, I think people are getting tired of hearing me talk about this. Um, uh, last uh, last thing, though, I'm going to give this episode um, four and a half out of five uh, manila folders used as uh, cue cards. Because, yeah. um, like I said, it, it's almost perfect. Uh, it just needs it, it a lot of the scourge stuff feels a little yeah. bloated um because mm-hmm. i feel like the scourge and the beacon almost seem like two different things um like uh oh the beacon could have worked in one story maybe like uh if the scourge were to come back then they could introduce the beacon but the because uh, i feel like the scourge were enough on their own um yeah. But, and, like, this is more for, like, a recurring thing, but, uh... It's definitely a MacGuffin. They needed something that would... Kill Doyle, yeah. Will kill Doyle heroically. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I'm gonna give this episode, uh, 4.5, uh, out of 5, uh, faces that I do believe she could have come to love. Oh. Um, so, but yeah, but yeah, it's... It is just, it's a great episode, but it is just a little bloated, uh, a little crowded with the Scourge stuff. Um, so, yeah. But that's, yeah, that's that's what I have to say. All right. Um, well. Oh, so I guess I'll take this out. Yeah. <clears throat> well, thank you for joining us on this, uh, this episode of Booze and Buffy, which was quite heavy, but I, I hope you had some laughs with this too. Uh, we'll be back next week with Buffy Season 4, Episode 10. Hush. Yeah, guys, do not miss Hush. It is going to be great. Um, I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij357. And uh, if you want, give me a follow on Goodreads. Oh, no, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I am Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N. Um, I guess you could also follow me on Goodreads if you wanted. Uh, <laughs> I also have a horror blog where I talk about a different horror film each week. Um, this week I am talking about uh, one of my all-time favorites, The Orphanage. I don't think I've seen that one. 
it's so good. I, I know, I know you're a fan of it, and um, I think uh, the, I think we we you wanted us to do a double feature of the others and um, and that one night, and I could only stay for the others. Um, mm. Is that it, Nicole Kidman? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy. Or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out in both of those instances. Also, please don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. And each week, we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week, we're highlighting Refugee International. Refugees International advocates for life-saving assistance and protection for displaced people and promotes solutions to displacement crises. They do not accept any government or UN funding, ensuring the independence and credibility of their work. Visit www.refugeeinternational.org for more information. And Jason, as always, go slay and be gay. Goodbye. Bye.